Nice. So now we know that you're the breakbeat master and you were around all those guys like Icy and all of them, you're hanging out and learning. And, you know, I remember labels like Hospital Records. Oh, yeah. Because what's funny about it is my spread love was remixed into that kind of breakbeat version. And I was just like, oh, was I so angry about it? But <laughs> I was so angry. I remember being so, so angry about it. And I, had to, like, I just couldn't hear it. But I accepted it. I'm open-minded. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. And I let them release it. I just didn't care for it, but it's not my scene. You know, I'm a, I'm a disco boy at heart. You know, it's hard, you know. I hear you. It's funny, like, some of, some of the stuff that I used to listen to back in the day, I, uh-huh. I find it hard to listen to now. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I'm also, like, the, the disco element is, uh, as I said, like, it, it, it was always about funky, funky breaks for me and, like, disco samples, funk samples. Whereas other people were doing breakbeats, there were like a few, a few different um, sub genres, and some of it was just really, really heavy, and and it was just way too heavy for me. I didn't get it. Uh, production was good, but I just couldn't. It get sounded it. like James Brown, you know, real fast. Like when you said the beat was just this, the kick, no, it felt like those those hip hop sounds was sped to a point where it was like 160 beats per minute for me. Just didn't didn't make me happy when I heard my song. Spread love. Spread love. It's like everybody's rushing to the bank. Cash a check. Move fast. Let's go. I'm like, this is shit, I said. The label called me and they said, what do you think? You want my answer? They went like this. Lenny? Lenny? I went, I'm just sitting there like this. You got to be kidding me, right? What is this shit? They said, oh, it's the new mix from Hospital Records. I went, I think I need a doctor, I said. <laughs> that was my answer. To the, that was my answer. Send me a doctor because I'm having a gosh damn heart attack. <laughs> Heard my record all oh, record. Like that. Oh, 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 I'm like, I remember calling them saying, Are you effing kidding me with this crap? Oh, but this is the hottest thing. The kids love it. The kid, I said, What kids? Because it killing my record. Killed it. But that's, you know, I, I think what you said about like making you happy is kind of like that's the key to. To, to the sound that, that we like. It's like, I like, uh, you know, playing happy music and, and making people happy. And, you know, if I go to, you know, I love all music, but if I go to like, you know, dubstep night or a really heavy drum and bass night, and like you see, the crowd is so different. It's like everyone's like quite moody and, you know, with their uh, hoodie up and dancing like this. And it's like, I get it. I get it. I understand it, but it's not me. So when uh, they got the hoodie on, they do it. Y M C A. Y M C A. Indeed. Come on, that had to be the most funniest thing in the world, everybody. You all saw Trump do his dance with the Y M C A music. 
And I know Felipe, Felipe Rose right from the band. But come on, man. Trump is doing that dance. Like, I'm like, shut that record off and take him off the stage with YMCA behind him, please. Good Lord Almighty. But anyway, for those that know, I love the village people, but I love San Francisco. That record. Find it. Listen to it. Learn it. Back to Birdie. Birdie's having issues coming in and out, but we'll keep him. We'll keep him right with us. So, Birdie, what's the first first disco production that you come out with and you go, wow, this is super cool. I love this sound. First one. What's the first record you did? That, that I produced? Yes. In this new, you left break beat, you, put, you close the break beat box, you put it away. You start to go with this disco thing. First yeah, one. I, I think the first one that I, I think the first one I really felt like I had finally managed to change my style and I was confident with a new sound was a, a EP that I released on um, um, Andy Williams' ISM records. You know, he has Midnight Riot and then he has ISM. Uh, so I sent him this track that I had done. Um, it actually, actually orig- originally started as kind of like a housier track. Um, but then I took the vocal that this Australian singer had sent me and completely redid the backing. And I sent it to Andy. Andy really liked it. Uh, so I would say that release, that was called the Love EP on ISM Records, was the one that I was really happy with. And I felt like I had managed to successfully change my sound. And then uh, Pete Herbert did a remix of it, which I was super happy about. Um, Andy was very happy and, you know, um, let's give Andy Williams a little bit. He's right in the room. He's giving us a damn right and a thumbs up. Andy Williams is talking about his yam who everybody. Let's see how long it takes for my man to come back. If he's okay. I hope he comes back. Um, Uh, he was on ISM records. He was mentioning, uh, through, one of his fr- and you know what's funny? Yam who signs his first production. That's amazing. And we've had Yam yeah. on our show. We've had him on. I know. Andy Williams on our show. He loved it. He was he was an amazing guest. He had a great story. So you sign it to Andy, and and then we lost you. It was gone. You were like, and, and then um, all right. I'm sorry, guys. It's Italy. The internet in Italy. You gotta understand. It's like it is what it is. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Ready? Marcello, check it out. Yes. We're going to ask you, we're gonna act, ask you to act like a, a breakbeat artist and talk. And then when it locks up. <laughs> I can't do that, man. He's like, never Well, you do it better than me, man. <laughs> no, you're doing a good job. You're doing great. I know that Italian, that, that internet's tough in Italy. I know. Everybody I talk to always complains about it. Yeah, it's, it's, not about it. corrupt. it's all corrupt. I'm actually amazed that we're online. No, it's not <laughs> but it's <laughs> not pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Compared to other places in the world, it's definitely, you know. Bertie, you know, you're saying to me, Lanny, we have to do it by fox. <laughs> I, I sent you a fax. Off. You sent me a fax back, and then we could get through this interview. You write down some questions, you answer, it, and then I read, and I'll answer everybody. And I'll write, write again, and send the fax through. So, you know, 
Back to your disco story. So uh, since we're in our yes. pure disco love affair with disco, so yes. Andy signs it. So what's the reaction when you get the record? How does it all work out for you? What do you do? You 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 send it to them, a message. How does that work for you to get this record to happen with um, with Midnight Riot? Yeah, I uh, I just sent him the track. He really liked it. Uh, then I sent him another track that I've been working on, which he also liked. And then... He said, you know, we should probably get someone to remix it. And I said, okay, great. And then he said, oh, actually, I got Pete Herbert, who's interested in doing a remix for your main track. And he was like one of my top five guys that I want to remix the tracks. So I was like, great, great job. And uh, yeah, that repeated really well. And uh, then I ended up actually doing an album for ISM. Um, I would say that's definitely, uh, you know, the, the first proper like disco production that I did. Yeah, I did a couple of EPs with ISM, uh, did a few with uh, Reloved, uh, with uh, Seamus, Haji. Uh, oh, yeah, Big Love. Big Love. The Big Love, yeah. Love Monica. Yeah. Seamus Haji, everybody. We had him on, too. Another great producer. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, great guy. Oh, yeah. And he's also He also used to come and play in Italy, you know, years ago. Still does, but uh, yeah, that, that was the scene at the time. I remember seeing his name on on flyers, and um, he definitely has some fond memories of um, Italian um, Italian clubs and Italian food. Crazy, as you expect. Yes, everybody always says the first thing: the food. They don't even talk about the clubs. They go, "Oh God, I miss the food." <laughs> Yeah, but the gig is like the last thing you want to worry about. What you worry about is which restaurant you're going to go and eat. Right. Which, wine you're going to which restaurant you're going to this week. I, I would ask that, where are we going tonight? I don't care about what club I'm playing. Where are we going to eat? Manjari. Yes. Manjari. Oh. I got a Hello. special place for you. There was a place in Milano. They used to make this roast beef sandwich. Uh-huh. Uh, like a panini sandwich, but a roast beef. And they were known, they, they would have fresh, they would cut it. And, oh, it was out. Oh, God, I, don't even, I can't remember what it was called. But there were so many great places to go eat in Italy. That's the one thing we all, all the DJs discussed that who went to Italy. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong. Can never go wrong. But also, you know, very important with Italy, there was some amazing disco producers that came out of Italy too, like Mauro... Masalavi from Change and and uh, of course yeah and all those you know the group Change came out of Italy well the producers came out of Italy the the Americans were the singers but the production staff were all Italian also yeah looks like that's obviously Kano I'm ready I'm ready that was another big from Goody Goody in Rome the Goody Goody record shop that came Kano. And first true love affair, Jimmy Ross. So you have a lot of disco, a lot of disco around you, brother. A lot of disco in Italy. Yeah, that that Kano Records is just incredible to this day. You can play it and it still sounds like it was made yesterday because the production is so kind of like naive in a way, but it just sounds so cool. And uh, yeah, definitely a lot, a lot of stuff was coming. As you mentioned, Mauro Malavasi, he also did a lot of pop productions in Italy. So I actually knew him from being 
a uh, pop producer before, and I realized that he was a, a driving force or one of the driving forces behind Change, which at the time, I think they were one of the biggest selling disco bands, really, after She. Oh, big it's, time. Big time. It's just incredible that that all came from originally from an Italian studio. And as you say, the singers were American, and then it all got mixed and mastered in America. But he, he, the, the ideas and the, the, you know, the original seed was coming from Italy. Which is, yeah, pretty incredible. And that, calls you, that tells you how funky the Italians were with their music. Yes. Yeah, so I, you think, have, I think I'm we still have that. We like that. Right, so you have all that Italiano disco all around you, plus all the big piano records are coming out in the 80s out of Italy, too. The big piano records. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, at the time, I was into rock, so I didn't really know. Oh, you know missed everything, bro. Really you missed it all. Now. You missed everything. You missed everything. I know. I know. It's, it's ironic. It's like, it's like, you're listening to Van Halen around that time would have been Van Halen. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Journey, absolutely. uh, not so much. Van Halen definitely. Twisted Sister. Uh, <laughs> I got some <laughs> Twisted Sister records back here. I'm sure. No, all the metal bands were out and the big hair. So disco was no discussion with those rock people. No. Yeah. Dis- Yeah, that's, that's, but that's why it's so refreshing in London that you know I when as I said when the big beat thing came out, it's like all of a sudden we don't need to be enemies anymore. It's not like either you make dance or you make rock. It's like you can actually have some rock samples in dance music, some funk samples in dance music, and it's like, you know, there's a James Brown beat followed by a guitar that's sampled by the Who. And then I get it. I finally get dance music. You know, and so, and so many people like me, same thing, who didn't used to go dance into house music in clubs, finally found um, a way to go and dance and understand dance music. So that was, uh, that was definitely a revolution for me. And it was a good one, Marcello, because now you're here making records that everybody wants. <laughs> and became a number one became a number one new disco producer too kind a, to, to, yes you became a number one let's 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 give you some love let's 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 say it let's show it you know check this out everybody oh not that one look everybody look i don't Woo! lie look at that what you need birdie hot sunday records What's that say? Does that say number three? I see it as number one, everyone. Number one. <laughs> number one, everybody. Get that right. Don't get it twisted. He's got he makes number one records, and people are <laughs> looking for him. <laughs> He's a new disco indie dance producer, and he has a number one for two weeks now. So keep him there. Help him. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very grateful. Obviously, just want to say I'm very grateful to everyone who bought the track and supported it. You know, it's uh, it, it definitely means a lot. And the track source guys are always very, very uh, good at like you know selecting records and curating the website. It's like 
it's it's a really nice scene. That's another thing I like. It's like this scene is not the biggest scene, but it's a very nice scene to be a part of. Everyone seems to be in it for the music and for the love of it, and not for the bullshit parts. You know. That's uh, right. Yeah. That's what it is, and that's about the music, right? Yeah, and. Some of the people, it's funny, it's really diverse. Like some of the guys are a little older. Some of the some of the new DJs are really much younger, but they're really into the sound, and it just seems to be a very healthy, um, you know, mix of people. Um, and and as I said, like every night I play, every festival I've been to, it's always like smiling faces, people having fun. Sure. Um, no bullshit. Just enjoying the music and having a few drinks and getting down. So, which is what we all like to do. So, when did the international DJing start for you? Like being able to go play around, like England and everywhere. I'd say really, like after I moved to England, and then as I said, the, the breakbeat scene was pretty big. Um, San Francisco, I played quite a bit, and then Australia had a huge scene as well. Um, and funnily enough, now Australia also has a big disco scene, as you know. Um, so, you know, Dr. Becker, Dave Nightcraft guy, uh, are both from there. Um, I was lucky enough to do a tour of Australia just before this whole madness uh, started. So January last year. And, and it was really mind-blowing. Like, the, everybody knew the tracks and loads of people really into this one like really coming to hear the music not just coming to a club to dance um but yeah i'd say 95 was probably sorry 2005 was then my um international djing started really um you know i played in spain quite a bit um san francisco quite a bit australia once a year for three four years in a row Right. So, I mean, it's a huge, a huge rush, obviously, mm. as you know. Oh, yeah. There's nothing like playing out, right? Yeah. I uh, obviously miss, miss it a lot. And I'm really hoping that just a few months from now we'll be, you know, back to our usual lifestyle. Uh, we can only hope. But let's be, so, in the terms of production, what does your setup consist of? Like, what do you work on and things? People always ask me, what do you work on? Right. Well, I can I can see what you work on in that studio. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. The glass, everybody, the green screen. No. <laughs> yeah. All right. So tell me, so tell me what, so what, how do you, what, what do you, what's some, everybody's always asked me on the sidelines. Can you ask the producers that have come on? What what uh, sequencing software? What's their door? Their digital audio workstation of choice? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It was yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, Ableton these days, really. I used Logic for a long time, and then a lot of my friends were using Ableton, and it just seemed a lot quicker to get things done. And then I just remember basically learning just from watching my friends in the studio do stuff and learning a few shortcuts and you know, how to arrange a track really quickly. Um, I still use Logic from time to time because I like some of the plugins and I like the 
roads sound that um, that EVP88 that um, Logic has is really really good. But I'd say ninety percent is like Ableton these days. Uh, then I have a couple of synths, but not not that many really. Like I have a Juno 106 that I've used for years, um, an SH 101 that I've also used for a long time, but I get it fixed because uh, it's um, it makes some funny noises, but not the good ones. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's pretty much it. Like I have a um, Dynaudio BM6 monitors, which you can maybe see in the background or maybe not. Um, I had some Adams when I was in LA, and uh, yes, yeah, so it's pretty much like you know. Well, actually, one uh, key piece of hardware that's definitely uh, influenced my production in the last couple of years has been the UAD Apollo because the plugins are just incredible. It's so cool. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. The plugins in UAD. Those that know, they make high quality plugins. Excellent. They they're very close to the real sounding pieces. I will say the UAD stuff. Yeah, they sound amazing. If I have to tell you like the one piece of, of hardware that's definitely changed my production, I would have to go with the uh the Apollo Twin because it's just cleaned up my my mixes, it just makes it so hard. So so much easier to do a good mix now. Mm-hmm. So I take it you too, right? Um, I use an Orion as my digital audio converter, and then I have so many plugins like Waves, Plugin Alliance, and different yeah. things that I use, you know. Um, but I remember how the real pieces sounded, so I kind of go to the same pieces I used in the real boxes, except now I use them more as plugins. Crazy, yes, it's very cool. I mean, it's not exact, exact, but it's not far away it's very close the digital stuff to the real boxes now they've gotten very very good very good and when you're mixing records nobody would know the difference if you were saying to them that i was actually doing it with the real pieces or the um plugins because of just the way things are you know but you know we keep moving it. We keep doing it, trying to make things sound better. And little by little, honing the craft to make it all better. But you're, you're becoming a pretty good, you're becoming what I call a go-to. You know, people listening to your records to be inspired. You know, like what you're doing. You're inspiring other young guys that are coming up and they want to be like what you're doing, basically. So you keep doing what you're doing. It's working. Is Birdie still with us? I think that Italian network that is coming and going. It's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm filling it. in the blank. I'm filling in. I'm filling the blank while you. I'm waiting for you to come back. Yes, so that, thank you. I'll tell you what thank it is. For that. I'll tell you what it is. You know, like this. The guy is getting tired. He needs more wine. He's going like this. Yeah, but okay. the hands are. Yeah, they're going like this. <laughs> wait, wait. And when he goes and drinks yeah. the wine. The the power drops and everything goes away. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, cheers. It's, it's like there's always time for wine, everybody. Grab your wine and cheese wine. and pasta. Yeah, that's uh, it's it, it can be a problem. 
definitely. But uh, no, I just want to say I was hearing everything, but I couldn't say anything. Uh, thank you so much for the kind words. I mean, it's like, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I am a go-to, but I'm, you know, I'm trying well, to do the, the best productions well, I can. You got four, you got four records in the top 100. So it's hard not to take notice that you're doing yeah, something. That, you know, common sense. You're going to check the guy out. You're going to say, wow, what makes everybody want, what makes everybody sought after for birdie, you know, and they listen, they go, wow, super cool. You have a sound that works, you know? And that's just the way it is. And good for you. Keep it up. We'll make sure Birdie comes back. That Italian, I tell you, the guy over there right now, let's see, is coming on 9 o'clock at night. The guy running the internet, the foot power, he's slowing down. He's like, I got to go to Castanco. I'm getting tired. And Birdie is now almost lost completely in Italy. Like the ocean, like, I feel like we got to do the, I got to start the show more towards one o'clock in the afternoon <laughs> for him over there to come back to us. Let's see, is he back? Hello, birdie, come back, please. Did the bird fly away because of the, the internet? I don't know. We'll see. Anyway, give me a moment to break into something while I'm taught, waiting for him Dude. to come back. back. Birdie? Hello? Are you there? Yes, we are here. You lost your video, my friend. Live and direct. You lost your video. Can you see it? No. Okay. Black Let me screen. try. Okay. Let me try and uh, change room and change network. And hopefully that'll, that'll work. Can you see me Well, now? while you're doing that, no, we can't see it. Let me do, do another commercial. I want to tell everybody what's going on this Saturday and then We'll get you back in. Okay. So check this out, everybody. Yes. While we're waiting for him to get his video back. This Saturday, look who I have. This Saturday, okay, 9 o'clock UK time, he's coming on. Carl Cox. Look at that. Carl Cox is coming on. It's going to be absolutely mayhem to have Carl Cox with me. I know him well. He's a great man. He is going to enlighten us with all kinds of great information and what he's been doing to stay healthy and alive during this pandemic. Tune in this Saturday. It's a special show. When Birdie comes back, we'll have Birdie behind us. But I've been waiting to tell you all, Carl Cox, this Saturday... March 13th, 9 o'clock UK time, 4 o'clock New York City time, 10 o'clock European time. I think we may have lost him. I'm not sure. We didn't lose Carl Cox, but we definitely, I possibly, he's going to have to come back in again. We'll see if we get him back in. I want everybody for tuning in, of course. But don't forget, Carl Cox, our man, will be this week on the show. Oh, boy. I tell you that Italian internet gets... I should, I should send a box of wine to the internet company because the way they're running that 
over there with that power. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Let's see. Mr. Birdie. Four top records in the top 100 go chart, track source. You got to bring them back. Yep. Birdie's I'm back. Sad. See, Different I room. kept them here. Different connection. Birdie, I was telling them that the the uh, I got to send a box of wine to the, the internet people. But in Italy, they're doing <laughs> such a great job. <laughs> yes. Okay, so let's see. We got good power. All right, bring everybody back. Birdie's back. He's going to tell you. Go ahead, Birdie. Give us everything you got. Turn on that power. Get the extra power going because we're losing you again. Guess a certain time of night, the, the, the Italian internet starts crashing. <laughs> kind of funny. But anyway, so while we're waiting for Bernie's internet to clear up. So my provider will be hearing from me tomorrow. Oh God, they're gonna hear from you and they're gonna tell you, I'm no problem. It's okay. And you tell them no biage. You don't understand. <laughs> I get it. We get it. People are actually writing saying to me they love your stuff. They love your stuff. So you do I tell you're doing great. You're doing good things. But the latency and the and the video crashing is terrible. But what can we do? We can only control what we can control. Something's out of our, our hands. Exactly, but I'm 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 very very happy to hear this. Very humbled, and uh, I'm very grateful that people are uh, listening to my music. You know, you that's that's me. always the uh, the ultimate goal. Okay, so so now we know what you do with your productions. What have you been doing to stay alive? Like everything, musically, professionally, medically. What have you been doing during since we went into lockdown? What's your life been like? Most people want to know. I was quite, um, quite um, happy and grateful that I got quite a few uh, remix requests, um, literally as soon as the lockdown thing happened. Uh, so that kept me busy because I didn't, like, like many other friends that I've been speaking to, like nobody really have a lot of creative juice at the moment. Like I've, I've heard this, as a common thing, but like a lot of people just felt really like, you know, you're staring at the computer and you're trying to come up with something and nothing's happening because, you know, the, the energy is just weird around. Uh, but having to work on remixes, obviously, you, it, it's just something that A, well, that was good that you had the remixes to keep you focused during this time because so, you guys were the first ones uh, and I'm going to bring this up I remember talking to Kenny Carpenter he was in Vianopoli at that time and he was telling me mm -hmm. as before America had it happen the pandemic he was telling me things are very yeah. tough very tough in Italy very tough yeah I was actually um, I had a pretty crazy um, experience as in I Bear with us, everyone. I know everyone's getting upset over the internet. He's Sorry, worth guys. to listen. Don't worry. <laughs> he's worth it. 
He's worth it, just like everybody else. Spend your time with us. Don't worry. I'm still Uncle Lenny's still here. I'll keep you all in tight while he comes back. He's okay, man. <laughs> yes. Go ahead. So you were saying. But but yeah, so I flew to London and then I was going to my plan was to go to Italy for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks, and then come back to LA. And that's when literally all hell broke. I guess he probably was saying all hell broke loose and Italy was really bad. Cause I remember I was talking to the producers. They were telling me, Lenny, I don't feel like doing music right now. I'm like, what's going on? All the people around my village are dying. This is what people were saying to me. Yeah. I'm no, sorry. I mean, it was... I, was, I was answering for you. I remember I was just saying about, you know, what happened with you, you know, people yeah, were telling yeah, yeah. me. Like, so I, I was kind of like, between a rock and a hard place like i didn't know if i should go to italy or not and just try and go back to la because it seemed like italy was getting shut down very quickly and um, i tried to get advice from some friends of mine they said you know if you come to italy you won't be able to leave for i don't know how long so in the meantime they are blocking all flights going to the us from europe except from the UK. And luckily I was in London. So I managed to get a flight going back to LA literally the night before they shut everything down. So uh, my first, my first uh, three months of lockdown was actually in LA, which wasn't so bad because, you know, so uh, yeah, Italy was kind of like, I was speaking to my friends and it sounded crazy. Like you weren't even allowed to go out of your home. Um, it was really extreme and people were blue. Yeah, but you know what? We know what scared everybody was is that nobody could figure out why everybody was quickly dying. That was what was going on in Italy. They had no answers. It was just like hospitals were completely filled, and people were just dying. And they kept saying, "What?" And, and you know, the whole world's watching this, and we're not understanding yet truly about this COVID. We didn't really understand that the coronavirus. We were just saying. What the hell is going on in Italy? That's all we're thinking. Why is Italy so affected and nowhere else? We're like, we're Italy. You never hear anything about Italy except food. Now all of a sudden we hear death <laughs> everywhere. 10,000, 15,000, 20,000. We're like, whoa, what is going on? I'm calling Italian DJs. They say it's so bad. Lenny, you don't understand. I'm like, no, we're watching CNN. We know what's going on, but why? And then, yeah, it, it was terrible. And I'm obviously incredibly sad because, as you said, of the amount of people that actually died or got really sick. And I was kind of like watching from the sidelines, not knowing where to go. Like, do I go back home? Do I try and go back home? But then I won't be able to leave. Or do I go back to well, the West? Well, that's the question and, now. You know, the, if you would have went to the US, would you have the medical care? That was the question I had for a lot of people who were abroad. That's why a lot of people went home. That, that was one of my big questions, yes. And I kind of took a gamble because I was like, you know, I, I can only hope that if I get this thing, it's going to be a mild form. Um, but then to the, to the U.S. defense, I think they managed to make uh, for specifically for COVID, uh, the healthcare. I think, from what I, I know and I've seen, has been pretty good and free. 
for the most part, and the uh, testing has been free. So maybe it has been a step in the right direction of a general revolution in American healthcare, which is obviously not, but, uh, not in a great place. Um, but yeah, I, I think I would have been fine. I think I would have, I would have got care if I um, really had got sick. But luckily, nothing happened. And, uh, you know, I did my um, very long flight with two masks on, uh, landed in LA, quarantined for 15 days. Um, yeah, I mean, LA wasn't the worst place where to spend this time because, you know, it's sunny, there's a lot of open spaces. So even if you have to stay at home, you have a big, generally have a pretty big space, a bit like a big outside where you yeah. can go on, you don't feel like completely stuck. So it was cool. I, um, it, it wasn't the worst experience, but now, now in Italy, it looks like we're gonna, we're talking about shutting everything down again for two or three weeks, uh, because the, um, yeah, infection rates are still really bad compared to other places. Like, I mean, in the U S we're falling pretty quickly, obviously, because the vaccinations are going ahead very quickly. Same in the UK. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, we're, we're good at doing a lot of things, but organizing is never been like having good organization has never been an, an Italian uh, strong point. So that's sure. kind of like getting, uh, you know, uh, with all the love, like I, I love, I love Italy, I love where I am, but um, it's they really need to get to to step on the gas and and uh, speed up the vaccinations because we all want to be out of this as soon as we can. So do you really think we're going to be traveling soon, the way things look? the way Because you're living in the middle of Italy right now. Do you think Europe is going to open up completely, properly? I, not, not for a few months, but I'm hoping that by summer, um, you know, what we saw last summer is that the infection rates were really almost none. They were really, really low. Um, so I'm hoping that between, you know, the vaccines being rolled out, and the fact that the virus seems to be less strong in summer, uh, there's a good chance that we'll be able to, I mean, I don't know about traveling to another continent, but hopefully, you know, within Europe. Uh, I, I can only hope. I mean, you know, what really actually gives me hope is what I'm seeing in Australia, where a lot of the, uh, a lot of the DJs are just, you know, playing nights and doing festivals and everything seems to be kind of back to normal life. Um, and that's because the, their infection rates are really low. So, and that happened for them within a time frame of three months, maybe. So, if that happened there, I mean, there's no reason why it can't happen here in like three, four months from now. But obviously, you know, keeping fingers crossed. And uh, yeah, but yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm positive. Good. So here's the deal. What's the next step? For you till this traveling begins, what what are you thinking about? What's the things that you're doing now to stay busy? Uh, I'm again uh, finishing a bunch of remixes actually, um, and then finishing some more originals. Um, I, I'm working with a couple of singers, so I have to actually have a lot of work to do, like piecing vocals together and blah 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 and uh, i have a couple of uh, a couple of other ideas that i'm working on so it's been like 
I finally managed to get into a groove where instead of being sad about not being able to go anywhere, because I can't go anyway, I'm trying to channel that into like making the most of this time and saying like, well, you know, I can't really go out that much. So I'll just stay in the studio, get my head down, be as productive as I can and, and do everything I can to turn this into a positive time, which, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's not a positive time. I can't say that. But see, this is a question. I, I remember this as, as a great time, but. Marcello, the thing is, is that you guys are on the house arrest almost, right? You basically, you go from the house, you go to the store, then you come back. Why do you think the, the infection rates are going so high in Italy? What's, what's causing this? That's that's the question on everyone's, you know, and even even the scientists don't really have the answers. So you know, I I, I really have no idea whatsoever. Um, I mean, the the initial lockdown was as bad as that. Now it's not quite as strict, so we're allowed to go out. And every region is slightly different. Like our region had a very low um, infection rate for a while, so. We could actually, like, the bars were open, restaurants were open. Uh, now they're not. Uh, some bars are open, but they're only takeout. And uh, um, other regions, like, for example, Sardinia is almost, like, back to normal. Other regions are doing worse than us. So it's really, like, a mixed um, story. And uh, But, yeah, to, to your question, I, I honestly have no idea. I would have thought that with, with that... You, know, you would think, well, yeah, when everybody being an, an in their house, yeah. hiding, you would think this thing would somewhat be like Australia, in a sense, you know, start to go down. But yet you're hearing the opposite in Italy. It's going back up again. And there's no parties nowhere. There's, I talked I talked to many people in Italy, they're doing nowhere like you, doing nothing. I'm like, why is it still getting so high, the numbers, infections, you know? Yeah, I um, I honestly have no idea, but um, you know, I I can only hope that it'll go down soon. And uh, as I said, you know, once they start speeding up with the vaccines, uh, that should be should make a big difference. Hopefully, it's made a big difference in the UK and it's making big difference in the US. So, yeah, we just need to speed it up. And uh, hurry up! Hurry up! Hurry up! So people, there's a lot of newcomers watching as well. Can you tell people how important the social media is and how much work goes into, you know, making Birdie's name stay strong in social media? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, definitely a, a, a job in itself, which is, you know, new for someone like me or you who um, grew up with vinyl and really didn't have to think about this whole thing. Um it's also beautiful. I mean, there's definitely a side to it that I really like, the, the ability to interact with people telling you, you know, oh, I really like that track you did, or I didn't really like the track you did. Uh, but, you know, or I came to your show, and it's it's definitely, I think the main thing with social media is, the, the crucial thing is really building a relationship with the people who are supporting you ultimately and at least to me to me that's what it is it's not about like um 
you know, obviously in some other circles, social media is just about looking as making it look as big as possible, sometimes fake, obviously. Um, but I think that that only lasts for a little while. And really what you want is like organically build your social media and, and connect with the people who are buying your music, coming to your shows and, and that, that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You really have no, to. No, no, no. If you think you're gonna, add, if you think you're gonna spend some money with the Russians and have this big yeah. page, <laughs> and then you know you have two comments and and million followers, it don't look good. It takes a lot of time to build exactly. to build up the fans, the people that love. Exactly. People will, will find that out eventually, and it's. Uh, you know, it took me a long time to get the my Spotify followers up as well, and like my Instagram and whatever. And I just realized that when you, especially on Instagram or uh, Facebook, not so much because it's kind of dying, but especially on Instagram, when you when you the posts that have the most engagement were the ones that, that I really cared about, and the ones where I actually did have something that I wanted people to know. Um, so I started posting a little less instead of posting for the sake of it and instead of, you know, Instagramming your lunch every day, just go, you know, this, this happened today, really important. Like I have this new track out or I'm happy about this. I'm happy about that. And, uh, and, uh, as I said, like it's, it's, it's more of an organic growth and, uh, and then you'll, you'll get there eventually. Yeah, because you know what? I'm tired of everybody saying, hi, everyone. Look what I'm eating today. Oh, I'm changing my clothes. Oh, it's... Oh, God. Another I mean, posting of bullshit. That can definitely be annoying, yeah. Like, yeah, it also depends who you follow. Exactly. You got it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> the new records and the new remixes, this man's hot. How much, so are, are people asking you yet for, yes, exactly. Are people asking you about when you're going to travel again? Because I'm getting those questions. I love when they ask uh, me, when am I, when are you traveling, uh, Marcello? When are you going to be traveling to, to go play? Go ahead, yeah. tell people. <laughs> yeah, I've had a couple of people ask, but, you know, you, can, you can't really be sure about anything. So I don't, I don't want to give any answers that would be, inaccurate um so i think it's just going to be another few months but i'm really hoping i'm really really hoping that the summer at least europe will be okay and that we'll be able to travel freely and you know um flights are pretty inexpensive and uh and places are closed so fingers crossed yeah i think i think it's still a little early um but you know the fact that like uh, defected confirmed for festival in Croatia and uh, a bunch of other people are confirming gigs and the UK has made it clear that uh, all being well uh, June 21st everything should reopen is is a very positive uh, thing and you know it's it's keeping me very hopeful so how do you do this I know we're gonna keep it like this. Everybody put their fingers crossed. Here's the question: Will I be able to travel across that small little ocean, that pond, 
That's what I'm. I sure hope so. Nah, I don't think so. Not, I don't think by June. If, if I'm lucky, cute question. It'll be more towards the fall. If by September, October, I don't think it's going to be possible for the Americans. Okay, so this is what I read, everybody. Yesterday, I looked online and said, if you wanted to come into the UK, they haven't changed regulations. Let's just talk about the UK, not Europe. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're coming into the UK, you have to spend one thousand seven hundred pounds, and they have to put you in a ten day quarantine at a hotel and all in plastic you heard me all in plastic so it's like a like a plastic room you stay there for 10 days then you come out and then you can play maybe i maybe it's like maybe or they keep me in the plastic room and i'll be like going you know like trying to get out going like this you know like let me out you know like you know who knows this is what I read. Now, June 21st, you're telling me everything's going to open. So that means the border opens too, and I can get in? Can you get in? I mean, but, I don't know. No, no, I don't know about that. Is it going to be like Roach uh, Motel? Once you get in, you can't get out? You're not commercial? Right. You know, I never saw that. The Roach goes in the box, and then it can't come out. Is it going to be the same? The Roach goes in? The Cucaracha? And the Cucaracha cannot come out. Am I going to do that Cucaracha? Get inside and then we like in the plastic room and they go to me. And that's it. Fontana, go to the desk in the plastic room too. <laughs> Everybody's saying this is what's crazy. What is going to be the new normal? The new normal. Birdie, the new normal. Stand here in this line. First, it used to be EU, non EU, right? Wait. Yeah. Here we go. Brexit. Oh, we forgot about Brexit. Don't forget, UK is separate now. Oh, yeah. So, don't, don't, don't even get me started on that one, man. Okay. Here we go. UK, European. The next line now. Watch, everybody. Dirty-ass Americans. <laughs> South American people. Dirty bastards. That's what's gonna be like on the you know you're gonna see those things. It's gonna be like everybody's gonna be like, what line do I go on? The dirty bastard line. I mean, yeah, we're definitely not um, not going towards a more uh, integrated world, that's for sure. That's that's probably the scariest bit. Um, alongside, yeah. you know, in our particular case, our our jobs being at risk. But yeah, that's um yeah, that's definitely a scary, a scary thought, and that's, that's unfortunately that's something that's been happening for a while, and the virus has just really, you know, made it more exacerbated the whole thing. But it it has been happening for a bit. That like you know we were all trying to really come together, and it seems in the last ten years everyone's trying to like come apart. Um, I know, it's crazy. I've been hearing, all I've been hearing, everyone was talking about what's going to happen when Brexit happens. What's going to happen when Brexit happens? I'm like, then COVID came. Brexit went away. No one yes. remembers Brexit. Like, silence. Brexit, silence. COVID now. That was and, that was that. and that was it. And now we're at vaccines. Is the vaccine working? Oh, I don't know if it works, but we have to get the vaccine. Okay. <laughs> oh my yeah, God. Yeah, you know, it's like, I guess, I, 
I mean, I'm just trying to be philosophical about it. I guess it's it's kind of a circle, and you know, every generation. It seems that every generation has to go through. Now, this is not an a event like this. No, wait, wait, hold it. Let's that go. What generation? Yeah, right. Wait, 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 wait. I got friends that are older than me. I got friends that are younger. Nobody remembers the generation of when the Spanish flu happened. That was over 100 years okay, ago. Yeah, it was Spanish flu, yes. A generation? Yes. Try four generations ago. It's generations 25 years. Not, not 50, 25. That's true. But, you know, my, my parents went through World War II, so. Fenty say, Fenty say, 25 yeah. years. Not, not 200 years ago. Yeah. Oh, I got an important thing I got to ask you. And we forgot about this. You didn't even mention it. Thanks, Karen. Karen came on the screen and said, make sure you mention this. And we talked about it. How did it feel when Pete Tong played your record in 2019, bro, on BBC Radio? Oh, that was that was such, such a buzz. Because, as you know, that is kind of like the show to be, to be played on. Um, so... Yeah, it, it, it was essential show, right? Essential, show, right? Yeah, he played as first track as well. And, uh, and the crazy thing is that it's not really—I mean, he mostly plays housey stuff. So, I—it's it, a straight disco record. So I wasn't really expecting him to play it. And, so, um, so and for some Marcello, reason, tell everybody uh, which record he played. This way, they can find it. Tell everybody what he played. What was the record he played that night? Yeah, so, Start the Weekend was the name of the track. And that was on uh, Reloved, which is uh, Seamus' label. Um, so, yeah, incredible buzz. You know, BBC Radio 1, to me, is just the best. You know, it's, it's, it's always incredibly, incredible quality of music, diverse shows. Like, every show is just amazing. So it was, it was a real buzz, for sure. And uh, and to have that as first track of the show as well. No, I don't want to. I don't want to go on too much about it. But yes, <laughs> definitely, uh, definitely gave me some goosebumps for sure. Not many people ever get that chance to hear their songs on BBC. That's a big moment for a producer. It's it's always a buzz. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And. I did have some other stuff, like earlier stuff played on BBC, uh, like um, Annie Nightingale had played some of my tracks, but not for a few years. So to have that again, it's like, yes. Amazing. I it. I am there. <laughs> I am here. In other words, do go do do. I am the king. I am the king. I am the king. Of BBC. I love your positive attitude, man. It's nice. It's a good feeling, I'll tell you. It's even so when you yeah. get your record on radio rotation, on the regular daytime rotation. That's beautiful, too. That's yeah, that's something I have not experienced, but I can only imagine how, how amazing that feels. I know that feeling. It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And all the producers that know that have done dance music in the 90s and 2000s know that feeling that when you had a record go into the playlist, oh my God, what a feeling that everybody goes crazy. You know, they're all over you. Every record label's calling you. Everybody's calling you. People you haven't heard from in a hundred years. <laughs> now I want to get near you. I'm serious. It's like crazy. 
I haven't heard from you in like 30 years. Okay, hi, how are you? Oh my God, I heard your record on the radio. But what's another big part for you? What was another big moment for you in this house music disco thing? What was another big one for you that you said, oh, wow, this is fantastic. This is grande. I, um, I'd say really like oh, Purple, Dis- Purple Disco Machine supported that track quite a bit too. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of the Glitter Box guys as well. So uh, being a defective Croatia and seeing uh, you know, Purple Disco Machine play the track, uh, or Smith Disco play the track, Melvo play the track. That's kind of like, I think, the, the feeling you get when you see a DJ that you really like and respect playing your track for um, a crowd and the, and the crowd appreciating it. That's, that's always a moment of, you know, when you think, okay, I spent all those hours in the studio making this track and now I, you, you actually see the result. So wait a minute, wait, wait. So you're telling me yeah, you, you, you don't make records in one hour? You spend a lot of time? Sometimes. Because this, this is what I always told from people. I make records in an hour. I'm like, yo, what? An hour? An hour? I'm thinking about the moment of when I'm going to turn the equipment on. It's like, you know, how long does it take you average, you would say, to make a track? How long you think would, it takes? I would say like a week, roughly. But it really depends. Like some, some tracks, I'm sure it's the same for you. Like some tracks come really quickly. Um, some take forever some get set aside and then you listen to them again in like a month and you're like oh actually you know what that was a good idea maybe you should experiment a little bit more with it and some just never get finished um i mean i have found on average that three four days is like a good period of time to understand if an idea is going to work or not and I will play with some. I will play around with an idea for three, four days. If I get stuck on something and for some reason it's not convincing, that I usually let it go. Um, so I be, I've become a little better at that with like with time. Because before I would just get really stubborn and say, "Oh, you know, there's some good good elements in this track, and I need to finish it." But sometimes, for whatever reason, it just doesn't happen. So you you just waste time. Um, so yeah, if I had, if I had to give one advice, it's just, you know, trust your gut. And if, if it comes together pretty quickly, then you're onto something. Uh, I mean, as I said, it's not like a super general rule, but most of the time, yeah. Like you gotta, you gotta feel for it really quickly and you're like, oh, this, this works. Like next day, yeah, but, it's almost. But, but here's the question now. I'm going to ask you from producer to producer. Right. How many times you worked on a record and you said, oh, it's great on that night you're working on the night. Everybody's oh, hearing it. Oh, yeah. Wait, wait, wait. wait. <laughs> and the next day you turn on the, the computer and the speakers and you're thinking in your mind, I remember what I heard what last night. What thinking, man. And what happens today now when you hear? What do you do? Yeah, lo- lots, lots, and lots and lots of times. But um, but I'm getting I'm getting a little better at that. As in, like the next day, yes. But then the next day, I just trash the session, and that's it. <laughs> yeah. Before I would just spend a week on it, 
trying to salvage it. And then I'd be like, you know, there's a reason why the strike isn't happening. And I, I don't know what it is, but it's just not happening. So it's, it's pointless. Just, you know, I think it's, um, uh, there, there's a quote from Giorgio Moroder actually, where he said, you need to make nine bad tracks to make a good one. And I don't, I don't know. Nine bad tracks, Giorgio Moroder said to make one good one. Wow, that's some serious odds. You got to make nine bad records to make one good one. Make a good one. And he made a few, you know, quite a few. But you just made a lot of great records and also some that are not so great. I mean, it is what it is. Everybody, every producer is the same. No matter how great they are, they're going to have ones you go, oh, no, I'm not feeling that. No, I'm not feeling that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it's, uh, you know, the thing is like, you still got to spend the time in the studio, it's it's sort of like um, what I've really started to understand recently is that your creativity and your mind is kind of like a, going to the gym. You know, it's like a muscle. You got to keep it trained, and you got to keep going in the studio every day and just working away, trying to find ideas, throw them on the wall, see what sticks, and and keep what does and throw away what doesn't. But if you're like Oh, I'm not inspired today. I'm just, I mean, obviously, if you're really not inspired, then don't go to the studio. But it is important to just do it on a daily basis and just spend at least three, four, five solid hours just learning new things, new production techniques. There'll be like, you know, maybe just a drum sound that inspires you to do something that you hadn't thought before. Maybe you'll find a sample that you hadn't thought of. You'll flip it reverse it, cut it up, and something new comes out. And maybe it'll happen at the very end of the session. I find that sometimes, like, I'll have four hours where I'm literally, like, you know, banging my head against the wall. and like, oh, this shit, like, nothing's happening. Nothing good is happening today. I'm just about to turn the computer off, and I, I'll, I'll play something, like, a piano riff or find a beat and something that makes you go, like, oh, yeah. This can work tomorrow. Like, I'll save this, and then tomorrow we'll fresh mine. But uh, it, it's happened more than one time. And it wouldn't have happened if I hadn't spent those three, four hours just, you know, doing it. And, and right, right, right. Creativity. I asked this to John Morales. You know John Morales? From, you know, of course. Yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you the same question. Yes. He's a wonderful guy. Can you have a regular day job, meaning working like at the bank or working in the car shop or whatever all day, and can you produce all night and do both effectively and also, also become really great at the production with having full-time work is it possible uh it's funny you asked me this question because i actually worked in an investment bank for five six years in london and i did exactly that so i would be like nine to five day job uh i was lucky enough to be close to work so 5 30 i'd be home switch on my laptop work until midnight Maybe one, go to sleep, up at eight, Monday to Friday. Weekends, 
I take one day off completely, but then Sunday maybe I'd work on tunes again. Um, so I mean, if if you really want to do it, you can. You you won't have much of a social life, but but you can do it. I think you can only do it for a number of years because I mean, really, it it got to the point where I was really stressed out, and it was going to be one thing or the other. And um, in two thousand eight was when I went to um, I had a tour of Australia. And I had run out of holiday entitlement. So my manager at the time said, okay, you either keep the job at the bank or you tour. And she, she was wonderful. She was really supportive of everything that I did. But it was 2008, the financial crisis had hit. They were firing people. And I thought, you know, this must be a sign because if I stay here, I'll probably lose my job anyway. So I may as well go and do it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting, you know, juggling your two, I, I have to say, to be honest, I, I did learn a bit from working in an office because it, it helps you be organized and have that attitude of like, you know, actually doing work on, like, even if it's creative so work, it's, you have so a little when bit you of work in the financial, like, you work, which bank did you work for back in 08? Yeah. Which bank were you I, I was working for a Swiss bank called UBS, but they had a um, they were based in London. Yeah, very very different worlds. Oh, big time! Very, very Much different in music. Oh my, it's night and day difference. Way different. Were you afraid to make that to leave? Like, were you really afraid, or was it the OA crisis more made it easier to leave the job? I was I was kind of afraid because I had already been sort of like burnt by uh, music once. And uh, when I used to play in that rock band that I was telling you about, uh, um, we had a deal with uh, Virgin Records in Italy at the time. And, uh, you know, just for Italy, but still it was a pretty big label. And uh, we, we did a good tour. We were supposed to do our second album. We worked on it for a year. And then our... A&R at the time got fired and we got dropped uh, by the label. So after that happened was when I thought, okay, now I, I'll keep music as a hobby and I'll just get a real job. Um, and then of course what happened is that when you start making music because you like making music instead of wanting to do it as a career, that's when things come naturally out of your mind so things started getting busier and busier and you know i got a little more busy with gigs and then i couldn't do both things anymore so yeah i was a little scared i was a little scared but i think the time was right and there's a there's a reason why these things happen and the reason that it happened in that year um must have must have been you know my my destiny in a way i definitely never looked back it's like it's it's not always been easy making music like not for anyone I know. Everyone goes through ups and downs, you know. Busy times, lots of gigs, no gigs, uh, successful productions, like creative crises, blah, blah, blah. But it, it's always it's always been good. I've, I've always been happy with the choice I've made. And uh, I definitely wouldn't trade it for anything else. Well, there you go. That's why we had to ask that true house stories. Yeah. <laughs> what, did, what did John say? 
John said he couldn't do both. He he needed to be completely in the in the music side of it to be very successful. If you want to do it as a hobby, sure, but to yeah. really do it the right way, you have to be all in this, and it's a full time. It's more than full time. You spend more hours than full time work sometimes on music. It's crazy the amount of hours we spend doing things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so his answer was the same. But he was a musical guy, always music. John Morales was always a music guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, if you, uh, it's, it sounds like, you know, an, an, obvious thing to, an obvious thing to say, but if you do what you love to do, then you'll spend 10, 12, 14 hours doing it. And it's like, it doesn't matter. Maybe the next day you won't, you'll spend like three hours. But you have your own, your own pace, your own way of working, and what comes out in the end is your product, right? And that's that priceless. I mean, yeah, it just to, to me, there was no no question. Apart from, as I said, being a bit scared, but really, ultimately, you're like, what, what, what do I want to keep on doing? Like, what do I want to remember in life, working in an office or traveling the world and playing music, making music. It's just, you know, I feel very grateful and very, uh, very blessed that I can have this. Well, we can't ask for anything more. And we're blessed to have you rocking these tunes. <laughs> we expect more from you. We expect a lot more out of you. It's, we want to keep listening. It's coming. Hearing it. A lot more coming, I promise you. Yeah, you don't. Very soon. Make sure you keep, you know, I think we covered a hell of a lot today. You definitely enlighten us with a lot of information. I don't think, I bet you a lot of people didn't even know he worked for UBS Bank. <laughs> I would be very surprised if people knew that. I've, I've kept it as a, a hidden as I can. You know, there's your, there's, the only thing is, if you're if you're feeling here's the last thing I'll ask you. Does your do you like for me if I'm not feeling really good today, I'm not happy. Let's just make it happy and sad, real simple. If you're sad, yeah. can you go in the studio and make a great happy record? You know, from because in your heart's not in it. Are you able to do that? It it has happened. Uh, it's been a process. But it has happened. Um, it has happened that being in the studio has actually changed my mood. So my day started as being, you know, not having a good day. And then I managed to turn it into a good day because I came up with an idea that I liked. Um, it's, not an, it's not easy to, to do that. But um, it, it has happened sometimes. And I think in a way... Making music is kind of like, can work like that. It's kind of like a therapy when you're not feeling so good. I mean, man, right now, when I can't go out, um, you know, barely seeing any of my friends, all I do is just, you know, stay at home. If I didn't have this, I'd be so lost. I'd, I'd really be so lost. And it's just so, so amazing to have that as a, as a creative release. Um, and as I said, the beginning wasn't the beginning of this period wasn't like that. Like the initial stage of lockdown for me was like complete creative crisis. But after a few months, I finally managed to get into the groove and 
turn it into something positive. And um, and uh, yeah, yeah. To to answer your question, I think you can. I think okay. All right. But well, you gotta try. You. you gotta try, my brother. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you.